afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another interesting wrap-up to a marketing trade week with some negativity happening on the grain side of it and a big boost happening for our livestock producers. We're going to dive into all avenues of this today as John Payne joins us with Hedgepoint Global Marketing. And John, I kind of want to start out. You made a statement when you and I were talking on the air earlier today that the markets are seeing money going into the feeders, and that's going to be a big pressing factor for these for these feed grains. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. It's been, I mean, a heck of a couple of weeks for feeder cattle. Um, and it's a market that, you know, it's difficult to analyze because I think a lot of people seek for why the markets move and they put some blame behind certain players. You know, feeder cattle, there's, there's talk of funds trading, and I'm not saying there aren't people speculating, but, you know, the volume at the CME is rather low. So, you know, the, the, the amount of money it's either taking to move the market or, you know, the players in it, it's, you know, the fun flow is certainly to the upside. In my opinion, you saw a lot of selling, you know, chasing the news from the the bearish October cattle on feed report. And then we got another one that kind of broke the market in, in November and then, you know, cascaded down into Thanksgiving time where, no. you know, we put on a low that I think a lot of people scared. And we have not looked back from that point. It's been pretty much straight up. You know, barring some choppiness here and there. Um, and now we find ourselves in the deferred contracts right back to where we were. So it's been a weird ride for, for beef. Um, you know, we went down there in the 280s and then back up to 300. But, you know, this market, unlike, you know, in hogs, for example, where the pork cutouts moving up, in the case of this, this is all led by feeders. So I'd, I, we have a big inventory report next week. Um, you know, keep your ears open for what, what's expected there because that, that could be the story that gets written on the 1st of February. Do you anticipate any big surprises in that report? I mean, we've been waiting for these numbers, especially with the way we saw so much herd liquidation taking place over 2023. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine we're going to see some sort of some constraint. The question is at like 4%. I don't know. I mean, at this point, the, the demand for lightweight steers, you know, four or five weights is really strong. And that's, you know, telling me that either the supplies and their demand is, is better than you think. Now, I, I you know, it, it doesn't have to be great, but the, the feed lots are not doing great right now. Even with the breaking corn, I mean, you can, you can move the numbers around quite a bit depending on basis. But just using the CME board math, you know, the deferred feeder cattle for like fall aren't great. So if you want to be bearish, it's more on the fact that feeder cattle aren't just going, they're not going to buy ahead with these margins. Uh, and right now, that's that's what it takes. It's a pretty big comeback, you know, in, in the expectation that prices are going to get higher um, this summer. And if that doesn't happen, that's that could be ugly for, for the feedlots if they're buying ahead. And all of a sudden, feeders would fall apart. Well, let's, since we're talking about the about the livestock side of it, let's talk a little bit more about those feed purchases as they look into the summer months. What are some key things that we really should be focusing on from that perspective? Well, for one, the carry has come in. So, you know, when you look at, at where we have, and by that meaning the front month contract versus the, sum, the, the summer contract in July. So March is trading as well as it's traded versus July, going back to early, early January. So we've seen that spread come in. That that'll make it more expensive, um, you know, to buy front month corn. The farmers are kind of holding fast, but on the board, you know, the deferred contract in July is what, 460, 465 maybe. And that is not, you know, for me, that's where you, you look up and load up on volatility. If you, you know, I can't recommend a certain trade, but you know, one that would be volatile in nature and 
profit from a you know sharp move higher because that's where the decision is going to need to be made. You're going to get an opportunity. I don't know what it is, Susan, uh, in feed grain. But, you know, in the case of other markets, like we see these things turn around, usually when things work, are the most bearish. Uh, the problem with buying ahead right now in markets like wheat, for example, specifically Chicago, is you get this massive carry to, to, to have to buy into, whereas in corn, it's not as, uh, it's not as bad. So what about this movement that we've seen in hogs? I mean, we look at those numbers, especially how we finished off, even on the nearbys today. Um, there's some good opportunities right now for this hog market. Yeah, you know, and again, I, I tend to talk CME board math because that's the numbers that we're analyzing. But on a margin perspective, like summer margins for hogs, and depending on the weaning price you're buying into, we, we don't have a lot of input price on that. But the, the rally we've seen here, especially with grains coming off and hogs going up, has been substantial. I mean, just on the CME, we're using our formulas. It's like twenty dollars per head profit that's that's been put in the pocket of the producer just over the last two to three weeks. Um, that's twenty percent. So that's a really nice move. Um, you know, one that I think a lot of folks either you can put on weather, uh, you can put on stimulus in China, just kind of over boosting the the demand for meat. I don't know, but at this point, we've seen the move from sixty six on February all the way up to 75 now, the traders there today. And in the case of February, low 70s, even as high as the high 60s, and now we're above 82, 83. And that's where, that's where for me, it would be like, all right, uh, you know, the market, how high can we get here in the summer months are the ones that would scare me to sell. But looking out in Q4, there's a pretty good margin out there relative to what you would have gotten the last couple of years. So, you know, it's not, it's not the same as the, the, the feedlot side. The feedlot side is, is, is you know they they have a, a higher cost up front with these feeders trading where they are uh, relative to the hog confinement. What are you hearing on consumer chatter at this point when it comes to our proteins? Well, you know I try to be anecdotal a little bit on this because I live in a pretty populated area um, of middle class consumers. Um, so you know Chicago's got plenty of those, and I just see a lot of a lot of demand from the consumer side for beef. I, I don't, you know, I don't see things slowing down. Yes, maybe some steakhouses are, are charging absorbent prices, but, you know, I mean, I think I said somebody said the other day at like the Texas Roadhouse around here, and there aren't a whole lot of them. There was like a three-hour line on Saturday. So, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to say that's a great indicator thing in the short term, but, you know, we're $300, $300 choice right now. We've got more coming up just around the corner as the Channel Final Bell continues on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids and the other regional brands along with Channel Seed are merging in 2025 and we're ready to up your seed game. Here's Channel Seed professional Dustin O'Hanlon from Lexington. I, I'm extremely excited about this to see the focus of taking all 11 brands and moving into one and combining the knowledge that we've got into one brand and bringing every bit of that together so we can have one focus which is taking care of our growers. For more, contact your local Channel Seed professional. KRVN. Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with John Payne. John, of course, is with Hedgepoint Global Markets and talked a lot about what was happening on the livestock side, but it brought me back to a thought that you said, I want to say it was probably Wednesday or Thursday in our daily conversations, John, and, and you talked about Brazilians and the close watch that they have on our board of trade when it comes to to marketing. And I think I'd love to have you share that information with our listeners on this program. 
Yeah, so the CME knows this. The Chicago Mercantile Exchange, they are the premier, you know, they're kind of like the supermarket for soybean risk. So if you're a grower of soybeans, uh, as I know many of our listeners are, you have an inherent risk that the price goes up or down. So that's your, as being in this that business as a producer or consumer, you have that, that bias. And so, um, you know, as a way to, to remove that risk and sell off of certain prices, the CME, you know, this was created 150 years ago, you know, created the benchmark price for delivery of soybeans here in Chicago, um, you know, for certain dates of the year. And that's what everybody traded off of in the United States. Well, as that market grew, you know, the global market started to use the liquidity that's there. And by liquidity means it's like you want to go and, you know, you want to trade your risk where everybody else is because the more participants, the the more we can all offset, you know, the diversification that the market can provide. And so, you know, Chicago has always been that market and it's, it's grown soybeans. You know, we, you know, have all these new, new uh, players in the game and a lot of them from the same area in South America, yet they still use the Chicago price. So, you know, when, when the contract was established or even traded at its highest, the U.S. was 75% of the production globally, maybe even more. And now we're close to, I mean, are we, we're not even half. And so, you know, the U.S. is still the benchmark trading price. And so these, these Brazilian clients of ours at Hedgepoint, when they come in and open an account, you know, their goal, and they're essentially directed to this by banks that they work with to try to offset some of this risk because it's very risky for them. They're borrowing at higher rates. You know, the price of soybeans is very reliant on them keeping the farm. So they borrow money from a company like Hedgepoint, and then we offset their risk in the market. And they use the Chicago Board of Trade, which creates a tremendous amount of selling volume there. And without an, uh, something to offset it, you know, we just continue to see them sit on the board shorts. And they're not doing it because they, you know, trying to trade it south and they think price is going lower. They just have to. And they're not going to come out of these hedges now because the supply that they're hedging exists and exists until they sell it. So they've got to sit on these hedges, especially as prices fall. And it's going to be make, it's going to really make rallies difficult without a supply shock. And that's got to come from the U.S. grower at this point. Um, and we're still a couple of months from that. So as you have those conversations um, with, with folks in Brazil, what are they telling you this crop looks like? Because, you know, social media can tell us 10 different stories. Yeah. Um, but kind of what's I, your takeaway feel? It's pretty good. Okay. I mean, it's 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 pretty good on an average you know they're growing their acreage growth is so high and it does it's like well you might miss a little bit but you're still higher than where you were a year ago and high well above where you were five years ago i mean like 25 percent higher than where you were five years ago and so the question isn't so much about what they're doing now me i'm constantly asking the the brokers and the analysts is like when i they always say basta which means stop and I'm like, when is that going to happen in Brazil? When are we going to stop seeing estimates go up every year? And so until that happens, we need one of two things to happen. You need to have, uh, you know, the U.S. supply down in the U.S. will have to shrink globally or China will have to pick up the, the slack on the buyer side. Or we need to have uh, the U.S. crusher pick it up. One or the other. Beans go two places. They go to China or they go to a crusher. And at this point, the crushers had a rough week for ADM for other reasons, but, you know, it was a rough week for them. The crush is falling. Uh, you know, we're really cheap crush level, 75 cents on the March contract now, and it was like $2 a year ago. So the demand for crush is falling, and the demand for China isn't there, as, as, you know, as much as it would be. Not to mention you have more supply from Brazil competing with it.
And that's that's the issue right now in the U.S. export markets. Is that part of the reason why the U.S. just cannot seem to compete for that Chinese business at the moment? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. You know, politics politics is a big one. I mean, they're going to want to trade with Brazil where they can. And the Brazilians are getting cheaper. That's another part of it. Brazilians are much cheaper than the U.S. right now. Even, you know, even with the break, the board is, you know, for U.S. beans right now, you're paying $500 a metric ton, four eighty. Like four twenty at Brazil Sports, so you know, not to mention you have to play with U.S. dollar. You know, you can throw a dart at the U.S. politically as well if you choose to. Lots of factors that we're going to be thinking about as we get closer and closer to our planting season. Um, John, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you to have uh, further conversations? Yeah, just look us up at, at Hedgepoint Global Markets or Hedgepoint Hub. Um, Hedgepoint Hub is a is a um, you know it's a really cool place to go if you want to learn about about South American growing, learn about the U.S. We do all sorts of cool webinars in you know, Portuguese and the U.S. and, and, and English. So love to, uh, to meet you all if you want to reach out there. All right, that's today's Channel Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Channel Final Bell, right here on the Rural Radio Network.